The way we consume and share news today, it is largely rooted in social media outlets, a reason why it's crucial to look at what's being discussed online, like unmanned robot chargers for EVs. Ooh, that's the future. Or discrimination case against one of the biggest coffee companies in the world, Starbucks. Yes. Good morning, Erica. Good morning. Happy Thursday. Yes. <laughs> We've almost made it. <laughs> <laughs> How are you today? I think I'm doing okay. Good. Better than yesterday. Good. Hump day. It lives up to its reputation. <laughs> okay. Let's jump into our first buzzword. A Korean maintenance technology employed to preserve one of the world's oldest religious monuments. That's a good place to start. That's right. Uh, the technology is going to be utilized to help restore. Now, the world's oldest religious monument that you just mentioned is Cambodia's Angkor Wat. The more you know. Yes. Mm. Uh, the Korea Cultural Heritage Foundation recently unveiled plans to maintain the Prepitu monument mm. group site and the Terrace of the Elephants at Angkor Wat. Uh, now, this project has been going on for the last uh, four years, actually. It's funny because I was just trying to demand that I failed since 2019. <laughs> that makes it four years. Yeah, so since 2019, <laughs> the Cultural Heritage Foundation uh, has been collaborating with the Korea International Cooperation Agency. Uh, it's part of uh, official development assistance projects for the world's cultural heritage, uh, specifically to recover mm. the Prepitu and the Terrace of the Elephants. Now, these agencies have conducted comprehensive research and scientific analysis since 2019, mm. and uh, the actual uh, recovery process is going to kick off next month in okay. July. Okay. Um, the restoration of the Terrace of the Elephants will incorporate the same technology that was used to maintain the Biruksaji mm. stone pagoda, uh, which is South Korea's oldest and biggest stone pagoda. Uh, it's also designated as the 11th national treasure. Mm. Um, yeah, at the time, it took the National Research Institute of Cultural Heritage 20 years to complete uh. the maintenance of this uh, stone pagoda, Biruksaji stone pagoda, back in 2019. That was Sorry. when it was completed. Delicate work. Yep requires extremely decade, uh, right because it's not like you can just take it apart and put it back together mm -mm. it's all right I, I can't even begin to fathom what this process is like well two decades for yeah. example but uh, generally speaking what kind of restoration technology will Angkor Wat <laughs> benefit from yeah so I did a little bit of research okay. so the technology includes uh, precision digital archiving I'm assuming they're going to use cameras to get a more detailed look <laughs> in and outside Probably of yep. the monument? I'm guessing. I, I mean, I feel like that's a pretty safe, educated guess. Okay. <laughs> uh, conservation processing for stone materials. Okay. Uh, there's also groundwater studies that need to be conducted. Um, and, uh, you know, these kind of tests, all sort of tests. Mm. Um, and these are all, again, methods that were employed during the preservation of 
of the Mitaksaji Stone Pagoda. Now, several researchers, mm. South Korean researchers who participated in uh, the Korean pagoda's restoration, mm. have been already dispatched mm. to the recovery site in Cambodia. I wonder, do you think that the conservation process will benefit more from AI or more from the human touch? For now, I think the human touch. Both. <laughs> because it's the humans that are making the decisions, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Of course, that's a simple answer. Yeah. But I just wonder, right. I mean, because we, we expect tech mm-hmm. and robots, for example, to be more precise. Yep. But sometimes it's more than just about precision, right? I mean, there are already so many things that uh, artificial intelligence can do so much better than humans. <laughs> but when it comes to certain things, yeah. yeah. Conservation Human of art decisions. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Very important. <laughs> <laughs> All right. On to our second buzzword of the day. So Soul City wants to introduce unmanned robot charger for EVs. <laughs> I mean, we talk about not enough charging stations being readily yeah. available. This might be it. That's right. So the Seoul City government is going to conduct South Korea's uh, first ever a demonstration of an unmanned robot charging system. And the, this charging system is capable of uh, charging electric vehicles without direct contact. So that's really cool. So it's yeah. not about like a moving robot with arms and it brings like the plug to your car. It doesn't really require contact with the car. That's really cool. So. It requires kind of sort of contact. Okay, so now we're streaming the any image. human contact. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, because I remember we briefly talked about yeah. like highways being equipped That's with right. literally, well, less contact than that. Yep. And I guess we're not there yet. Once but uh, it's it's cool. Yeah, it, it does look really And we're going to see more of those in the future for sure. All right. Welcome, future. <laughs> Currently, majority of EV charging systems utilize a plug-in mm-hmm. mechanism. Users have to directly connect a cable to their vehicles. Yeah. I guess that process we're skipping. Exactly. So, um, you know, there's a growing number of rapid charging stations. Uh, the charging cables have become thicker. Uh, mm. That means they're heavier. And that poses challenges for, uh, you know, vulnerable groups yeah. like, uh, you know, individuals with disabilities, mm. pregnant women. Now, to solve these issues, uh, Seoul City is going to install a robot charger at a parking space near Shinbanghua Station on Subway Line 9, uh, which is capable of charging up to three cars all at the same time, simultaneously. Okay, so much more efficient. Takes yep, up less space. Time. Yeah, and it yeah. saves time. All right, well, I'll wait and see if that goes well. I'm sure they'd want to expand. Mm-hmm. How long will the pilot test of this robot charger run for? Yeah, so this pilot run is going to go on for about two years, uh, and it's going to kick off this coming September. I know. I mean, half jokingly, we talk about yeah. how kiosks are impossible to use. So is everyone going to be able to use a <laughs> robot charger? Um, yeah. Who's going to be able to access it? Well, the robot charger, first of all, is really easy to use. Okay. Apparently, it's user friendly. Um, all users have to do is, well, number one, park their cars in the designated charging lot. Uh, and then, of course, open the car's charging plug. Mm. And then the robot arm is going to autonomously... Locate the plug and uh, begin the charging process. I see where there is less contact. Yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> you can it's, just simply sit in the car. Okay, it's not like me getting out of the car no. and putting fuel into Correct. my car, for example. Yep. And what happens once the charging is complete? Uh, the robot arm is going to return to its original position. <laughs> Move on to the next cars. It just sounds fun to watch. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about the 
Mechanical details of this robot. Yeah, a little bit. So uh, this robot arm, it uh, employs uh, a sensor, mm-hmm. a light detection and uh, ranging sensor. Uh, the sensor then employs laser signals to identify its surroundings. Mm-hmm. And there's also a 3D vision system mm-hmm. that uh, detects, tracks, and analyzes objects in a three-dimensional space. Okay. Uh, the charger also features a movable rail, mm-hmm. which enables a single robot arm to charge up to three cars simultaneously. Can any owner <laughs> of an electric vehicle use a robot charger? You know, there is apparently a membership system okay. and it gives priority to individuals with disabilities, pregnant women, and uh, other vulnerable groups. I guess that makes sense. Yeah, and uh, the city officials, once this pilot test run kicks off, they're going to analyze mm. uh, the user's charging patterns. Uh, they're also going to see how satisfied the users are. Mm. And uh, the goal is to enhance the overall charging experience and then gradually, like you mentioned, expand the scope of the service. You know, it's funny because now that we're overexposed to different kinds of robots, mm. like that doesn't really feel foreign to me anymore. No, it's, right. It feels natural. You know, I, I've been watching a lot of like TED Talks recently mm-hmm. and uh, there's this one man, he used to be a designer at Apple or something like that and uh, he, he was introducing this brand new technology uh, for the first time and uh, he, his message was that technology like tech is going to basically become invisible in the very near oh. future. So we're no longer going to be needing these devices that we carry around. We're going to have chips devices. in our bodies. Yeah, basically. Something he was like wearing that. this device on his uh, jacket okay. and he was talking to it. Uh, okay. And it, yeah, it, it, of course, it has artificial technology, uh, you know, employed. And, uh, you know, he has a conversation. He holds up a chocolate bar, mm. uh, the artificial, this tiny device you can't even see with your eyes. Yeah. It says, oh, you're not supposed to eat that because you're, you're, not- you're allergic to, you know, cocoa beans. I thought like I was going to say it's bad for your diet. <laughs> Can you imagine your jacket being that chatty? It's like it's like your mom hogging oh, over you all the time. <laughs> that would be very annoying indeed. I'm sure you can adjust the settings yeah. to fit your needs. <laughs> all right. Thanks for sharing, Erica. Mm-hmm. Let's move on to our final uh, buzzword yeah. of the day. So Starbucks has been apparently ordered to pay $25 million to an ex-employee yes. in a racial discrimination case. That's right. So um, Shannon Phillips uh, used to be mm-hmm. a, a manager at Starbucks. Starbucks, a regional manager at Starbucks, mm. and she was fired after two black men were arrested at a Starbucks Philadelphia branch. Mm. This was back in 2018. Super high profile case. Yeah. It led to large protests. Um, a black colleague, however, kept his job. Mm. While she, Shannon Phillips, is white. She was fired. Now, a jury ruled that race was a factor in her being fired. Uh, they, they said that, uh, you know, they violated uh, anti-discrimination laws. And uh, a federal jury in New Jersey found that Starbucks had violated Ms. Phillips' federal civil rights, as well as a New Jersey law Mm. that prohibits discrimination based on race. Mm. So, uh, she has been awarded Mm. uh, $600,000 in uh, damages, uh, compensatory damages, Mm. and $25 million in punitive damages. Okay, just in case people forgot between the years of 2018 and now what exactly happened. Like you said, it was a high-profile case then at the time it was a big PR nightmare for the that's coffee right. shop franchise that's right so uh, to briefly talk about the the incident it happened at a Starbucks branch like I said in Philadelphia mm. um, one of uh, two black men uh, waiting in the coffee shop was reportedly denied permission to use 
the bathroom mm. because he had not purchased anything, okay. right? Okay. Uh, the men at the time said they were there for business meeting, were waiting for somebody. Alluding to they'd eventually order something. Yes, exactly. Okay. And uh, when they refused to leave, uh, the Starbucks staff, they reportedly called the police uh, who came, handcuffed the two men and escorted them out of the coffee shop. Mm. Now, their arrests were all captured on camera, mm. shared online. It led to protests. Uh, Starbucks ended up closing all of its 8,000 stores in America for one day mm. to hold anti-bias training for their workers. It's a for-profit business. Yep. I think this was a signal to not just maybe the American consumers, but to the world. They yep. take the offense pretty seriously. Mm -hmm. The reason why we're talking about this uh, this case this morning is because at the time, regional manager Ms. Phillips was fired while the manager's shop where the incident took place kept his job. And incidentally, he was blind. That's right. Um, the manager of the shop kept his job, yeah. regional manager being fired. Mm. Uh, and one was white, the other was black. Now, okay. the following year in 2019, Ms. Phillips sued Starbucks. Mm. Uh, she accused them of wrongful termination, mm. uh, unfairly punishing white employees uh, like her. And uh, her lawyers argued that uh, the upper management of Starbucks were basically looking for a scapegoat, uh. you know, to show that action was being taken. I think sometimes a fear does get the best of us. And we like to look for blames, right? Yep. And you're right. In some cases, there are scapegoats. Now, how you feel about the story is entirely mm. up to your discretion. Mm. Okay, we'll leave it there for now. Yep. Thanks for the updates. Here. <laughs> I'll see you tomorrow. See you tomorrow. If you're listening to our program using the podcast service, just a reminder that we do go live Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. Korea Standard Time. So tune in and help us make the show more informative by giving us your input. See you bright and early on Good Morning Seoul.